What do we expect from a clothing brand these days? Seriously, just stop for one minute and ask yourself that. Of course they should be carbon neutral. Of course they should make something that lasts. And of course they should stand up for their product. These are the new standards. But honestly, that still isn't the norm. So many of us, myself included sometimes, just buy clothes from brands who don't subscribe or speak about any of these things. Why haven't we all changed? More importantly, why haven't they? My guest this week runs a brand that is laser-focused on the new standards, making things that last, making things with a purpose, while educating their customers in the meantime. But for him, it's all second nature. And he's here to not only share his story, but to rally others to do the same. After all, his brand represents the pride of his country. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is Helgi Oskarsson, co-owner and CEO of 66 Degrees North. Helgi and I discuss how the near 100-year-old brand began by making clothes for Islamic fishermen with the goal of saving lives, and how that naturally led to a commitment to sustainability, and how building things to last, whether a coat or a company, changes how you think and act. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for joining me and chatting today. You're you're what? You're in Reykjavik. I'm in Reykjavik. Yeah. Yeah. How has um, the whole quarantine life been over there? Well, um, you know, compared to many other places in the world, I think we are um, quite satisfied with uh, the situation. Yeah. Of course. Uh, I mean. Compared, of course, but uh, sure. I mean, this is a terrible situation, and uh, and uh, but um, you know Iceland has been uh, coming through this. Uh, I would say relatively well. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you know I'm quite proud of uh, the way uh, the politicians have kind of uh, stepped back here in Iceland and let yeah. the scientists uh, kind of uh, you know do the thing and. Uh, and so um, we've been, uh, we, we got quite early on uh, good control of the virus. Mm-hmm. And so uh, life, uh, I mean, we never went uh, into a lockdown here in Iceland. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, but of course, uh, there, there were, uh, you know, places being closed down. I mean, swimming pools in Iceland is a pretty big thing because we got all these geothermal water yeah, and, you know, and swimming pools closed down, which was a you know shock to many people. <laughs> and then the gyms closed down, and uh, so, uh, but but uh, you know that's almost as far as it went. And uh, we were down to I think it was like twenty people maximum that could gather in one place, and so on. So okay. that was like during uh, April and May, and then you know early May, uh, you know we started. The, easing it up and in June, uh, early June, uh, life uh, was getting back to normal. Swimming pools were open again. There you go. You know, people could go to the gym and so on. So, yeah, I think we can't, we we can't complain uh, compared to what uh, many other, uh, you know, nations have been facing. Sure, sure. And, oh, and I I don't hear that at all, but it's, there's definitely a sort of shared suffering that so many people have had to endure while, just their natural way of life has been, you know, an upheaval. Um, it's it's definitely tragic. I mean, in in New York, we're, you know, we were kind of the first to hit lockdown, as I'm sure you saw. Yeah. And now, 
you know, things are easing up a little bit over here, but still, you know, the middle of the United States and tons of places, they're they're just now, they're just now hitting it, which is very, you know, a perfect explanation of how everything kind of rolls through the U.S. Like the U.S. is obviously one country, but there's probably about like 60 countries in it <laughs> of yeah. all these different people <laughs> with their own way of life. And sure, God bless them on what they're trying to do. But it's yeah, it's been nuts. Um, but in a weird way, which has kind of been great, it's been really interesting to see companies and fashion companies and brands and you really get to see the integrity of a lot of these companies as they've immediately tried to shift their business and their mindset into a way of helping people um i mean because that you guys started making masks right yeah well uh what we um what we did is uh, because um uh, here in Iceland, one of the reasons why I think we got through it uh, in the way we did is that, uh, you know, we, we were quite aggressive in, in testing. Mm. And uh, and that put a lot of strain on the, uh, you know, healthcare system. And uh, so people, uh, you know, needed masks here. And because, I mean, making masks is not something that we do um, or have done in the past, but we, we make a lot of workwear and we make... Uh, work for, for people in the healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. So, so we actually, you know, are in very good uh, contact with the, the healthcare industry. But what we realized quite early on is that, you know, we were running out of masks. Mm. And uh, so um, we, uh, you know, because we are doing business all over the world and uh, sourcing and so on, um, we, we were able to get masks uh, to uh, the, the healthcare system here in Iceland. Mm. It's, uh, you know, they, of course, appreciate it. At the same time, we, you know, uh, we started designing uh, our own masks, which we have now produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, we are only using them uh, internally at the moment right. uh, for our staff. So we're not selling them right. uh, because uh, you need to have, uh, you know, special fabrics that are approved yeah. for, for uh, you know, so, so they're absolutely safe. And, yeah. uh, and doing that takes a little bit longer time than, than using, uh, um, you know, the fabrics that we do have in stock. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just for, you know, clarity's sake for me and stuff, how, how long have you been running 66 North? Um, I started in the company in the beginning of 2011. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, and if I kind of, uh, you know, give you some idea how I, I came in contact with the company. Um, I was, uh, you know, I've been running my own companies, uh, you know, most of my professional life since I was 28 years old. And uh, uh, in 2009, Iceland, and as you know, most of the Western part of the world went through a financial crisis. Sure. And and uh, after that uh, crash, I was looking for an opportunity to invest in and, and uh, you know, looking for my next venture. And my wife, who happens to be, uh, you know, in branding or has been in branding for, you know, uh, 20, 30 years, uh, had been teaching uh, branding at uh, one of the universities here in Iceland. She said to me, uh, why don't you check out 66 degrees north? And, um, and I, uh, I said, why? Uh, of course, I knew the company, but I said, why, why, why do you think that's such an interesting company? And she said, well, you know, um, through the years when I've been teaching, 
branding, I've always been uh, referring to these international, very well-known brands like Coca-Cola and Pepsi and, you know, Disney and Mm -hmm. Gucci and and so on and so forth. But I've never been able to talk about an Icelandic global brand. And I often thought about, you know, which brand has the opportunity to become a global brand. And um, again and again, 66 Degrees North was a brand that came to mind. So I think at least you should check it out. So I, I approached the um, you know owner at the time, and I, I, I spoke to him, and uh, he was open and willing to sell. And uh, so, um, but he said to me, I, I really you know it does matter to me who buys the company. So I think we should you know get to know each other. And uh, mm. so why don't you join us as a consultant? And um, so that's what I did, and and. And uh, so, so uh, I did some consulting work for the company for a few months, and then uh, uh, we couldn't actually agree on price. So, <laughs> okay. so, so I, I thought this opportunity was kind of uh, you know not there. He's anymore. like, thanks for coming on. Now the company's yeah. worth this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So uh, th- then, then he, uh, you know, funny how how life is. He calls me up a few months later and says, uh, you know what, the the, the CEO just uh, re- resigned, and uh, we need a new CEO. Would you be interested in uh, you know having a talk about the job? And I said, sure, but uh, you, you, you know my agenda. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just as interested, uh, interested now as uh, as I was before about, uh, you know, buying and sure. And, and he said, well, you know, I got some potential buyers on the sideline, and I'm not going to give anybody an exclusivity. So if you act fast, then uh, you know it might be yours. Wow, what a deal maker. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so that's, uh, that's what I did. I, 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 I tried to act fast and, uh, I, um, I hooked up with a Icelandic private equity fund and, uh, to mm-hmm. cut a long story short, I started in February and in June, we had a sealed uh, deal, uh, you know, where we bought a majority stake in the company. Yeah. So, uh, I took over as a CEO, uh, like I said, February, 2011, uh, we took over as majority owners, uh, middle of the year, 2011. And then uh, a couple of years later, 2013, uh, we had bought out the private equity fund and uh, also uh, the rest of the 49% that the former owner uh, owned. So uh, since 2013, uh, me and my wife have been the uh, sole owners uh, of the company and uh, preparing the company for uh, serious international expansion. Yeah, and uh, and part of that was to 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 get partners in that uh, could work with us uh, on that, and uh, so uh, uh, in middle of uh, 2018, we we uh, we uh, uh, sold a 49% stake to a to a, a, a New York fund, most right. partners. Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting too because as you were kind of talking a little bit about the origin and the story of how this happened. At least in the United States, sometimes that that story can be kind of gross. But w- with the company that you are a part of and that you're working, um, I mean, sixty six degrees north, in terms of like a Scandinavian identity, the an Icelandic way of life. I mean, it's very much more than a company for so many people. It's it's a cultural identity and also a way that a country like Iceland has put themselves on the map to tell the world of the 
not only the story, but the quality and the craftsmanship that they make. So there's a lot of pride in this company. Extremely much. And, uh, you know, even though, um, you know, I was not a part of this company until 2011, Mm-hmm. I, I I was always very proud of 66 Degrees North, and I think most Icelanders are, as you're saying, yeah. because uh, um, this company has been, you know, dressing Icelanders since 1926, so it's almost 100 years. Yeah. And uh, and uh, the the reason why this company got founded in the beginning was, uh, you know, there was a gentleman, uh, his name was Hans Christiansson, he was living in this small town in the West Fjords, which is basically in the middle of nowhere uh, in, in, in Iceland. And, mm. uh, and uh, just to, you know, give you an idea what kind of uh, uh, living conditions are there. I mean, of, of, I think it's from like December 6th until like uh, uh, sometimes in January. I mean, you never see the sun rise because there, there are mountains there and uh, it's so <laughs> dark and... Uh, and and you can just imagine the weather conditions. So yeah. So so, so he set out to make clothing for Icelandic fishermen, and uh, and uh, that you know uh, he did out of necessity because uh, I mean uh, I think if you come to Iceland, uh, I don't know. Have you been to Iceland? I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay, it, just it, just for a short amount of time, and I was only in Reykjavik, so I didn't okay. really I didn't do the Ring Road or anything really cool. But yeah, okay. I was there for when, yeah. when when was that? Oh geez, um, two two thousand nine or ten. Okay. Yeah, it was. I used to work in the music industry, and I would fly over to London, and you know, I was like Iceland Airways and a few places. They were like, "Oh, look, you can go over and you can, you know, spend a day or two in Reykjavik, and you know, before you head back to London." I was like, "Oh, this is great. Yeah, let's do it." So I kind of like just went by myself and took a day off, and we. Fantastic. Yeah, it was great. We uh, I used to work for this record label, and one of the artists that we had was a band named Sigaros. So that was like, you know, Icelandic pride with Yonzi and and the the whole the whole band. And so I was like, I felt this deep connection and how I wanted to explore. It is an, a stunningly beautiful country that I do not think people truly understand, and that none of the pictures do it justice to even the air. I mean, good lord. Just like breathing the air is, yeah, it's like your skin's better. I mean, it's 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 insane. Um, yeah. So yes, I'm a very big fan of Iceland. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and and get it back to what I was saying because yes, uh, I was asking if you had been to Iceland because uh, if if you speak to Icelanders, uh, I mean, you probably run very soon across somebody who lost uh, a close relative uh, at the sea you know? mm. and my grandfather he went down with the ship he got rescued but he uh, developed pneumonia and he died uh, you know 39 years old and my great-grandfather oh, he went down and he never got uh, you know rescued so so um and and you can imagine when the company got started in 1926 i mean there was uh, you know open boats uh, there were no weather forecasts you went out in the morning. The, the weather got terrible. So, so basically, when when you found a company like that back in those days, you were you were you, you your mission was to save lives, right? And and uh, so so you can imagine uh, what what kind of uh, thought and effort went into the craftsmanship and the quality of the of the product. And then 
you know, quite early on, uh, the, the company started dressing up the search and rescue teams in Iceland. We have, a, you know, 18,000 volunteers. We don't have an army in Iceland. So, so if there's a natural disaster or something, we call out the, the, these people, these volunteers, and we have been dressing them up since 1928. And, and then, uh, you know, enter the 1930s and, uh, and then uh, people, you know, we start dressing up other industries and then people start using our clothing for, you know, regular day-to-day life. Because basically to survive in Iceland, uh, no matter what kind of work you do, just, uh, you know, whether you walk into the bus stop or, or, or just walk into the grocery store, right. uh, you, you need outdoor clothing that, uh, you know, are, are uh, protect you. Whether yeah. it's from the rain or the cold and the snow or whatever. And so, uh, so, uh, um, and, and it's a small market. We have only 330,000 people who live in Iceland. And yeah. uh, when, when you're playing in such a small market, you, you need to be quite diversified. I mean, you can't specialize in just making ski jackets and you make 15 different types of ski jackets and, and that's what you can live from. I mean, you need to make versatile products that you can use for different purposes. Yeah. And so quite early on, I mean, uh, we were using uh, technical fabrics, uh, always the most advanced at each, you know, time. And uh, and then uh, the, the, the line expanded and uh, we started making kids clothes and, uh, you know, outdoor clothing. And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and one thing that's been, you know, um, also fascinated me and my wife, because my wife ended, uh, you know, being my partner in this venture. Sure. And uh, we both work in the company um, is, uh, you know, that how, you know, the sustainability factor of, of the company, because uh, um, this company has always been about making products that last for a very long time. Mm. And uh, there was a survey done a couple of years ago uh, among international customers, and they were asked, why do you buy 66 degrees north? And, uh, you know, no, the number one reason was, uh, quality. Hmm. Number, t- number two reason was durability. And, uh, number three reason was because it, you know, I look good. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, quality has been, you know, kind of ingrained in our DNA ever since we were born and we, we, we never compromised on those things. So, yeah. so, 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 so making a jacket that lasts for life has been always kind of our mission. And then, you know, I think also it's a pretty story that, uh, because the revenue was limited in the beginning. So the biggest revenue contributor was basically the repair shop because, uh, okay. you, know, you know, people brought their, uh, garments, uh, again and again to the repair shop. So when something broke, you know, a zipper or something, they, they just brought it back. Yeah. So we've always had the repair shop and we, we always kind of, uh, you know, uh, encourage people to, uh, before they consider buying something new, I mean, are you absolutely sure we, we cannot repair it? And, uh, <laughs> and, and we have a, you know, a lifetime guarantee on, on any, uh, production, uh, faults and so on. So that's, right. that's something that, uh, we, we are, uh, we are quite proud of. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, a question that I come back to while we're chatting is, I think it's very difficult for a company to make a consumer good product, but the messaging of that product is about not buying a lot of it. 
you know, when you think about all of these companies, they're really more about trying their first sale, they'll take a loss on because they want, they feel like they're going to make a profit on their fifth and their sixth and their seventh sale. And a lot of times it's selling you the exact same thing over and over again. And what it sounds like, you know, you were saying with 66 Degrees North is that you're selling someone a coat, but you don't really want to sell them another coat next year. Well, while it's good and it might be good for business, you're selling a lifestyle and again, like I, it comes back to this cultural identity and sense of pride when you're selling these things. And I think that's really beautiful, to be honest with you, and, and how a lot of these companies are structured because in the US, as I'm sure you're aware, a lot of times, especially with like a venture-backed startup, it's like, cool, let's, let us sell them this jacket on a discount. And then we want to get them to buy a jacket the next, you know, the next season and then two more that they don't need and then three more that they don't need. And, you know, and it it doesn't feel well in this day and age. No, I mean, it's uh, something that we've been highlighting also uh, yeah. in our uh, like on our social media is, uh, I mean, uh, we, we, we find people who have like 20 year old jackets and uh, <laughs> we ask them kindly if we can, uh, you know shoot the photo and, and, and tell a story about it. And, uh, right. and usually people are quite proud and they say, you know, of course, I, I, I do that. And, <laughs> and, and actually uh, it was kind of funny because we started this program here in Iceland uh, where we, uh, where we, uh, because we've been working with the Red Cross. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we said to people, if you return your, uh, you know, old garment in uh, and, and you want to get a new one uh, and it might be, damaged or broken we, we bring it to our repair shop and uh and then we uh hand it over to the red cross mm. and uh and uh <laughs> the funny thing we started getting uh, calls and emails from customers saying hey don't even dream about it you know <laughs> i've had my sweater for 20 years and i'm never gonna <laughs> give you or anybody else yeah. a garment you know so <laughs> so uh and, 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 and that's uh, something that's uh, quite interesting because you talk about people being proud of the brand. I mean, they're, they're also very emotionally attached to, to the, you know, piece they have uh, or pieces. And uh, it's, it's also very interesting when you think about the brand. I think uh, we are now in 96 or 97 percent of Icelandic homes with at least one piece. Oh, my God. You know, it can't be a pair of gloves or, or, or a hat or something, but uh, at least... I mean, almost every home in Iceland has uh, something from uh, 66 degrees north. And, and also what is interesting is that, you know, basically all, uh, you know, age groups are buying. So, so you might have the, uh, you know, grandfather uh, going to the playground with his grandchild and they're both wearing 66 degrees north. Yeah, I mean that you guys are in a very good sweet spot right now in you know uh brands like 66 degrees north and Patagonia are you know you guys are not a a fashion brand but a lot of people in fashion are viewing you as this fashion brand because of the quality because of the authenticity and it feels like especially right now with me if I'm getting 500 targeted ads for things on Instagram and I'm it makes me like repulsive of a, of a company and of a brand because I'm like, Oh, like leave me alone. Like, like I just, I just want to discover you on my own. I want to do that. And you're in this perfect sweet spot right now where there's so much 
authenticity behind what you all are offering that a lot of these kind of cool influencers, I mean, I know Skepta was a huge thing, like th- that cosine of the grime movement, you know, and when I was in London, I see all these, like all these folks wearing 66 degrees. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. How did you guys navigate that? And how do you continue to navigate that without, you know, I'm, I'm kind of air quoting here, like selling out? Yeah. Well, um, first of all, it's very important when you think about 66 degrees north to understand that, uh, you know, very early on, we've been kind of, uh, forced to, uh, make clothing that, uh, is on one hand, uh, a performance piece because mm-hmm. simply because of the weather in Iceland. And on the other hand, we are also forced to make clothing that is, that looks cool because, uh, <laughs> Icelanders, they are wearing it every day. Yeah. It's not like I, I got my hiking jacket and I'm wearing it when I'm hiking. Right. You know, I, I, I just want to have the same jacket when I go and I hike a mountain here, uh, Asia, which is, you know, just next to Reykjavik. And, uh, then I want to, you know, go to a cafe and, and meet my friends and, and they don't necessarily point to me and say, Hey, you obviously been to the mountain. You know, they just think I'm wearing a cool right. jacket. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so, so this uh, kind of versatile, uh, and, and multifunction thinking has been very much uh, a part of uh, you know who we are for for mm-hmm. for decades and uh, so so when we go and uh, you know we start designing something new we mm-hmm. always think about the history and the heritage and where we come from does you know does it relate to uh, uh, a story that we can tell and so on and then um, you know how do we design it in such minimalistic way uh, that uh, it doesn't have the bells and whistles like many of the, uh, you know, outdoor uh, clothing has. Sure. So we take off as much as we can. And uh, that also makes it uh, uh, a bit less, uh, you know, uh, focused on time, you know, because uh, if we look at some of the best-selling products that we do have in our offering, some of them have been in the offering for uh, over 10 years. Mm. And so like our best-selling CL jackets today, we introduced it in uh, 2010. We won the ISPO award for it in 2011. We won the Scandinavian Outdoor Award for it the uh, same year. And uh, here we are in 2020, and uh, it's been the best year for that jacket. Right. And we haven't changed the thing except that uh, some of the fabrics uh, or, or the fabric that we use in it has been, you know, technically, in, you know, been uh, uh, it's it's performing better in terms of breathability and so on, mm-hmm. and and uh, so so uh, it's it's the same design. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, there, there's a lot of trust that happens in that that entire mindset, especially now when you feel like younger folks they're somewhat wary of a brand new company that kind of like bought this identity or bought some sort of thing. And with you guys, I mean, you have it. I mean, you're almost 100 years old. It, you, you're making things that you haven't really changed that that are the same over and over again. Uh, I, I'm curious about like from a business mindset, especially as you, you know, from your background and then also working with VCs and stuff, how do they feel 
when you're telling them that like, oh yeah, we're not going to change anything. We, we just want to keep going. Like, how does that conversation go? Well, it depends on whom you talk to. I mean, mm. some people have a, you know, understanding for this. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, one thing that I realized uh, quite early on when I, when I joined the company is that, uh, I mean, this, if, if we can call it a project, uh, sure. running this company uh, the way I saw it and, and, and being an owner was a really responsibility that I was taking for a very long time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in my, in my, you know, past, I, I'd been running, uh, companies for five years and then, you know, doing something else. And, and, and I did that, uh, you know, a couple of times. And then I, I thought, and I said to my wife, actually, before I joined, I said, you know, I'm probably just going to be doing this for five years. Mm. That, that, um, mindset changed quite early on when I joined the company because uh, I, I saw that, uh, it was such a huge undertaking. Uh, to uh, to build a brand uh, that uh, uh, because the, the way the, when we when we uh, approached this we saw okay uh, here is a brand that has been uh, you know existed from 1926 and we thought you know how can we make sure that it's gonna survive for the next hundred years mm. and and so when you approach um, uh, Again, for a lack of a better word, uh, a project like that, and you say, "Okay, I'm going to build something that's going to last for another hundred years," that then your your thinking becomes totally different than uh, you know. For example, if uh, you know one of the things that uh, I could have done is come in here, fix a few things, you know, and then sell it again and, and make money, you know. Yeah. That 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 was never uh, you know interesting to us, uh, and uh, we we. We are on a mission here to, to, to build something. We believe that uh, this uh, company has a, has a message uh, to the world uh, because, uh, I mean, if, if we think about the way we are treating uh, the planet and so on, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we need to be careful uh, and, uh, and uh, we, we need to slow down. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we believe that uh, 66 degrees north is on the, you know, opposite end of fast fashion. I mean, we are definitely slow fashion. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I believe that, uh, you know, uh, if, if we work in a, in a responsible way, we can, we can make the world a better place. I yeah, definitely in my heart believe that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, um, which I mean in the most complimentary way to what you all are doing in Patagonia in the sense that a lot, you know, Patagonia is all privately owned, but a lot of the decisions that they've made, I feel like if they were a public company, a U.S. public company, they wouldn't be able to do because unfortunately so much of a public company is about maximizing value to shareholders. But what you see with Patagonia is also what I see with 66 Degrees North in the sense that you're making decisions that is probably not the best for a very quick profit or a very quick return on investment. But the, you know, like carbon offsetting, you know, having a a strong sustainability message, it's not like you all are writing this down because someone in a brand book told you to do it. It's, It's a part of, like you were saying, is like this pride and this way of life that's in there. And what I think is great is I think we're finally getting to a point where younger customers specifically, if that's not a part of your core values, 
people just don't want to have anything to do with you. You know, I mean, it's it's mind boggling to me now where every company that I choose to patronize or buy from, or I really want to know that they're going to be a part of the, I'm going to air quote, like the greater good, that they're going to help, you know, keep the the world safe and not just employing people, because that's a big deal too, to be able to give someone a job and to pay them, you know, a fair wage and let them have a, a way of life, but also that they're not going to destroy the world in the, mean, in the meantime. And what I think is is great is this perfect synergy that starts to happen where my trust of, you know, a brand like 66 Degrees North or Patagonia or any of these other ones far outweighs it that I will spend more. And just because I want to know that I'm helping be a part of a company that's doing that. And, you know, it, that's something that I think is not as common in the United States, specifically with companies that are backed by private equity and all that other stuff. And I think it's really, really great that you guys are, are pushing that model and that mindset. Did you always have that before you were with 66 Degrees North? Well, I've been, uh, you know, when, when you're born and, and raised in Iceland, and of course I speak for myself, is that mm-hmm. uh, you, 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 it's, it's hard not to become uh, aware of the environment mm. because, uh, I mean, we we Icelanders uh, we are uh, self-sufficient when it comes to uh, energy, uh, for example, for for heating up houses uh, mm-hmm. here. And and when and, 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 and just to 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 give you a, some kind of a historical uh, uh, perspective on it, I mean, when my parents built their house in ni- early 1950s, um, it was heated up with oil. And mm. uh, and uh, and that was imported oil to to, to Iceland. So so, uh, but but uh, I mean, almost every home in Iceland is heated up today with geothermal water. And uh, if there's not geothermal water in the area, then then it's electricity, and the electricity is all all green in Iceland as well. So we yeah, you actually it. produce a surplus. Uh, yes, yeah. You, you make more electricity by leaps and bounds than what than what you need as a country, which is phenomenal. So yeah, congratulations that is, on that. <laughs> exactly. So, so that that's all green. And and the other part that has been a very big part of uh, who we are as Icelanders. I mean, we talked about the Icelandic fishermen before, and and the fishing industry historically was was always our, our biggest industry. Now the tourist industry is, uh, but uh, the fishing industry uh, has we have been very responsible in our fisheries mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so 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 uh, whether it's uh, you know our, our nature uh, you know the, the country itself iceland or or the resources around the country the ocean and so on uh, it's it's uh, something that uh, comes quite natural to icelanders to think about the environment and think about that the fact that uh, to, to, to survive here. We, we need to live in a good relationship with, with nature. This week's episode is brought to you by Topper Jewelers. If you're going to buy a watch or you just want to learn more, you have to check out Topper Jewelers. With their constant collaborations with your favorite watch brands from Nomos to Seiko, they're not your average dealer. They recently launched their new collaboration with Oris, putting an incredible take on the Diver 65 watch. The aim of the project was to answer this question. What would it be like to buy an Oris from Topper Jewelers in 1965? The end result is a more modern case size in the absence of any simulated aging. 
making this a highly contemporary but classically inspired sports watch, a watch you have to truly see to understand. Many of us have always wanted that perfect vintage watch, but without the fear of damaging it. Well, now you have it. The recent Oris 65 Maxi has a larger dial and case profile. It yields a modern yet highly wearable wrist presence and a more dynamic luminous display in low light. This is big. Learn more at topperjewelers.com and see for yourself. Oh, and did I mention this was limited? As there are only 165 of these, you gotta get them while they can, cause they won't last long. It ships with both a bracelet and a rubber strap, and they can be ordered at topperjewelers.com. They deliver in December, just in time for the holidays. It's the new Oris Diver 65 Maxi at Topper Jewelers. That's T-O-P-P-E-R jewelers.com. Mm. And uh, and so so and, and you mentioned Patagonia and Patagonia has been uh, in the forefront of uh, sustainability for quite some time and it's uh, amazing to see uh, what they have done and uh, and uh, they've all, you know introduced many concepts that the company has then then followed which is uh, amazingly good because as I said before I mean when you run a company you you you. You 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 can't be a a, a change provider and 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 uh, you can encourage change in a in a positive way and and you need to lead by example and Patagonia has definitely done that they have had the courage to do that mm-hmm. and 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 it's probably true what you say because they're privately owned and they, they don't feel the pressure as many public companies do from mm-hmm. from uh, diverse shareholders so so. Uh, and 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 we 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 have that uh, uh, kind of a, um, I mean we we don't have pressure from from outside shareholders who think differently. I mean we're very lucky that the partners we do have share our vision for for the future and this being a long term project and so on. Uh, but but uh, what we have not been very good at in the past and and, and we are working on changing now is that. Um, because this comes so naturally to us to be uh, thinking about uh, making products that last for a long time and repairing and so on, mm-hmm. um, we never talk about it because, uh, you know, it, we, we don't think it's anything special. <laughs> it's right. just that we've always okay. done it. <laughs> I mean, we always had the repair shop. And, 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 and you know, I have to admit, uh, you know, something. Uh, I went to the fashion forum, which is... Uh, 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 a great event that's uh, a yearly event in Copenhagen where uh, you get yeah. uh, together the, the people within the fashion industry talking about uh, sustainability and, and how we can be re- more better, better responsible for, you know, treating the environment better and so on. And, 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 uh, and I was so excited because uh, there was this gentleman from Patagonia, you know, uh, having a talk and, uh, and, uh, and then uh, he started his presentation and, uh, the bulk of his presentation was about uh, how proud he was that they had the repair shop uh, and uh, and they were repairing uh, garments uh, and they had this uh, you know uh, car that was driving around the US and and I said to 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 my colleague who sat next to me I mean here we have the company who's on the forefront of sustainability and <laughs> talking about how proud they are about the repair shop and we never uttered the word to anybody about this, except, uh, you know, we tell people about it when they buy something in our store that if it breaks, you can bring it back and we repair it for you. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so, 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 uh, 
So, and, and that's been uh, kind of a interesting journey for us to, you know, the deeper we dive into this company, you know, starting back in 2011, you know, and I, and I look at the factories we do have. I mean, we have 240 of our own employees in our factories and uh, we make uh, power stretch uh, gloves from power stretch fleece and that's mm-hmm. all made of leftovers. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, today, uh, we tell people about it when we make something from leftovers. In the past, we never did that. We just did it. Right. So it's, yeah. So, so instead of throwing away fabrics, we just, uh, always use them up. Yeah. So, 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 uh, and, 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 and that's, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, but, but people pay more attention to it now than they did probably. If we had told something somebody about them about, about these things twenty years ago, yeah, but I, but it's not like we're trying to do it now because it's uh, you know everybody's excited about this what we've always done. So. Yeah, I mean, and that's really great because for me, and and I don't know if you you see this with other American consumers, I um, you know, especially like listeners of Blamo and lots of other folks. When I get into a brand, I get really, really into a brand and I want to know anything and everything I can about them and their history, their mistakes, their, you know, how they're changing the world, how they're not. And I feel, excuse me, I feel such much, so much more aligned to that brand through the discovery, but here's the, the ticker by myself. And I think that's, that is a very... I don't know if it's an American thing in this this whole pride of like educating yourself on your own. And it's it's a very kind of challenging thing that I'm sure you're going to have to continue to navigate because, you know, you don't want to be like, hey, look, all of our marketing is sustainability because that is needs to be a norm now. But you don't want to, you know, you want to let people kind of find this out for themselves and be like, well, yeah, of course we've always done this, you know, and I feel like, in a weird way, in, in speaking again from like an American consumer, um, you you know your best message is going to be from me and you know my other friends who are going to be like, oh yeah, they've always done this. Like like we feel like we just knew this for such a long time when really we just read it on your website twenty minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that that's a tricky thing to navigate, but it it it's it's good that you kind of had that own epiphany while you were sitting there and just being like, well, wait, what the heck, like. We've always done repair shops. We've always done this, you know? I mean, because if you think about from American goods that have done, you know, repair, I'm air quoting there, um, L.L. Bean, Patagonia, the North Face does some repair, but also, I mean, this is no shots at the North Face, but like they have, I have bought many jackets and tried to get repaired by the North Face. And they're like, no, this you can't repair this. And then I'll have to send it to an independent repair shop. And they're like, oh yeah, we can totally repair this. And I'm like, well... Who's telling the truth here? What's the deal? Like, and in a weird way, that's that's very much distorted my admiration for a company when it feels like they don't want to stand behind goods that were made 10 years ago, you know? Um, and so, I mean, I digress, but I think that's, that is an exciting opportunity that you have as a company to, to reintroduce some of the core principles of your, of your brand to, um, whiny elitist American consumers like myself. <laughs> yes, and 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 
once you start digging into it and 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 really thinking about it, uh, uh, and 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 when I say really thinking about it, I'm saying really thinking about the how, what you should talk about and and how you should talk about it. I think it's uh, important uh, that uh, you know uh, focus on uh, mm-hmm. something that uh, really really matters and and and. And one of the things that uh, you know we've been doing lately is uh, you know we're getting a certification from B Corp, and uh, we we are in the in the process now, and and uh, and also uh, we've been working on becoming uh, car- carbon neutral. Mm-hmm. So so uh, uh, there there are uh, you know um, and and we we've achieved that you know we've been carbon neutral uh, since two thousand nineteen, mm-hmm. and uh, and. Uh, so, so what what we have been doing lately is that uh, uh, instead of you know just having these things or doing these things that we always done, we're we're, uh, we're 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 getting certification so so uh, we can tell people in a in a authentic way that uh, you know this is what we have done. And uh, but but I'm I'm not saying though that uh, you know we we are doing everything right and uh, there is not a room for improvement. Uh, we are constantly looking for ways to to uh, do things better, and uh, there is a there is a lot of exciting things going on in the fabric industry in terms of uh, biodegradable fabrics, and mm. uh, and uh, um, you know we talk a lot about uh, or there's a lot of talk in the world about like microplastics and so on, and. Uh, mm. There are synthetic fabrics uh, being introduced in the market now that don't share microplastic, and so on. So, so, and 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 we are um, constantly uh, looking at those things. Mm. Um, but the challenging thing, uh, and, and, and to be absolutely honest about this, is that uh, you know sometimes you might have uh, the uh, uh, you, you're choosing between something that is a little bit more polluting. Mm. Um, but it might last longer. So, 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 so you're faced with this uh, challenge of, should I make a garment that's going to last for, you know, maybe 20, 30 years, or should I uh, go for the more environmental friendly fabric that's, that doesn't have the same durability and, and, and it might just last for a couple of years or three, four years. So, 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 and, and this is something that, uh, you know, we are, we are constantly facing when we're developing new products uh, and we need to be aware of this. Yeah. I mean, that definitely sounds like uh, something that sounds tricky to navigate. Uh, I mean, but I think the fact that you're trying to have that conversation versus just choosing whatever is going to be the most profitable thing is something that uh, I think your, you know, clients and and customers would admire. I mean, in a weird way, I don't think we've ever been in such a a great situation for consumers and brands to have an empathetic relationship, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel connected to people who make mistakes because I make mistakes. Um, And I don't believe that a... a, (laughs) A clothing company is a religion or a you know or how I need to align my life but I feel so much encouragement when a company's like actually we don't know if we're getting this right or tell us how you think versus being dictated to I mean you think of you think of Amazon right which is and so many people here have a almost a loathing 
angry mentality towards Amazon because in a lot of instances they feel they don't have a choice. You know, and the argument is, of course you have a choice, but at the same time, you don't really get to have any say or any sort of discussion or relationship with this company other than a survey of, did you get your package on time? And it's just kind of like gross. But to be able, like what you were saying, you're like, well, you know, there's stuff we don't know if we're getting right. And there's stuff that we're trying to learn about. Like, I feel so much more connected to you from that. And I think that's really special and something that I hope that you take as encouragement versus a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 uh, there have been situations where uh, we've been developing uh, something that we are extremely excited about. It's biodegradable and uh, we think we absolutely have the right thing in our hand and uh, and then we produce it and uh, all of a sudden uh, we see that it doesn't uh, live up to the standard and uh, so so um, it's it's uh, it's it's not always a black and white thing and mm. and, and that's what what I have learned in this uh, job and and uh, you know diving into this thing is that uh, Sometimes, uh, you know, people judge you because you're not doing something or because you're doing something. And, uh, and um, I, I'm actually uh, totally relaxed about that because uh, as long as I know that we are putting thought and, and, and we are seriously considering what we're doing, um, then, then uh, I, I'm pretty comfortable with, with us as a company. But uh, at the same time, uh, we need to keep our ears and eyes open uh, mm. to all critic and uh, and and when people point to us and say you know you you definitely should not be doing this or then we then we seriously consider it and, and then right. we might uh, leave it. What other um, you know books or people have you really tried to uh, to lean into to kind of help further this process with you? Uh, you mean on the sustainability? Side. Well, more, more just you, you, the entire business mindset. I mean, su- sure, sustainability if you'd like, but I mean, if you've, you know, has there been a specific mentor that's kind of helped guide you through this? And, you know, because you have a lot of wonderful, strong convictions about how you want to run a business. Well, um, I like to read books and mm-hmm. uh, that, that's one of my favorite things. And I also listen to books and I, you know, and, and I think uh, one of the wonderful things, uh, just like you're doing, having having podcasts is uh, something that uh, inspires me. Mm. I've been li- listening to, uh, you know, some of your podcasts and, and uh, especially when I hear somebody who is in kind of same situation, I am uh, running a company or starting a company and, uh, you know, dealing with, some, you know, some of the same challenges uh, we are dealing with. That's, that's uh, really uh um, inspires me and, and and helps me often to understand better some of the problems that I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I look at, uh, you know, because I like to read uh, biographies. Mm. And, uh, so, so um, and, 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 and it doesn't matter whether I'm going back to the, you know, uh, ni- uh, 18th century and, 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 uh, or 19th century when, when, when you had the business tycoons in the US, uh, you know, like John D. Rockefeller, Andrew Carnegie and so on. And then, then you moved into the 20th century. And, uh, so, so I, I've been reading a lot of those books and, uh, and, uh, about companies and, uh, and, uh, and, um, you know, for example, in the last few years, uh, the shoot dog by Phil Knight is a, you know, I think it's a great fantastic book. book. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, so, so, uh, and, and that, you know, really shows us, uh, 
the the dedication and determination that people you know people need to have to build uh, a brand into something that's uh, just as amazing as as, as Nike is. So so uh, so I I love to uh, read about people who have uh, excelled uh, in their uh, in their field and not necessarily in business, uh, but uh, you know I also like to read about. Uh, you know, like uh, famous authors, uh, you know, yeah. Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, uh, Peter. Oh, Lee there you Reed, go. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, I try to get my inspiration from, uh, as, you know, different, uh, uh, many different uh, directions as possible. And and uh, and because I went to the went to college in the U.S., uh, I I, uh, I I I uh, I took some uh, literature courses and. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, um, um, and then uh, I, I got hugely interested in in, in literature, and, and that uh, talking about Iceland and 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 uh, uh, I, I believe there is a lot of creative uh, power in Iceland, and, hmm. uh, and and maybe you noticed that when you were in the music industry talking about Seuros and so on, uh, and and and, uh, and I don't know if you know, but uh, at least I am. Quite proud of the fact that uh, in in the 13th century uh, there were over 300 books being published in uh, Iceland really? in Icelandic, and we're talking about in the 13th century. Okay. And can you point any other country out to me in in in, in Europe uh, at that point in time that were writing in their own native language uh, uh, around 300 books? Oh, and, wow. uh, so, 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 and you can still buy these books, uh, some of them in, in, in bookstores in Iceland being translated to English. And so, uh, I encourage anybody who is uh, interested in literature to read those books because they are, they are, they are really amazing. And those are the Icelandic sagas. So I believe that, uh, you know, there, there is a lot of, uh, lot of creative power uh, in Iceland and whether that comes from the long uh, dark nights that we have here during the winter uh, where we have nothing else to do than uh, <laughs> read <laughs> or write that might be the thing but I don't know but uh, I, I, I get my inspiration uh, it's, it's a long, very long answer I get my inspiration uh, when I'm running a company uh, from from many many different directions yeah What's if you had to have all your employees read one book? What would that book be? Well, I have all my employees <laughs> read. Uh, uh, sometimes I I I I distribute books and really, uh, yeah, Good for you, yeah. And so uh, um, I I used to be I used to be I used to have the Dale Carnegie license in Iceland. I don't know if okay. you're familiar with Dale Carnegie. Uh, Dale Carnegie is a is an American gentleman who started, uh, you know, having courses uh, back in 1912, and I got the license, the franchise license for that company uh, back in 2001. And uh, there's a gentleman I, I bought the company from, and he published a book with uh, some some great insights, and uh, and he's now about uh, 87 years old, and uh, so I, I decided to give every uh, employee in the company. Uh, a copy of his book because it was uh, it, it's called uh, Thoughts and Wings, and uh, basically it's an inspirational book about uh, how much your thoughts matters mm. when you uh, trying to uh, live a purposeful life. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's really cool. I mean, I it's interesting because I, I feel, especially now, 
you know, my, my wife works for a company and the, uh, I'm air quoting like the company culture, the internal culture of how they communicate, how they listen, how they give and receive feedback. I mean, you think about companies like Netflix, right? Like, you know, that, that brand deck of how they, um, how they chose to run their company in terms of productivity and in terms of making emotionless decisions is very interesting. And I think so many people, especially now with podcasts and, and all of these entrepreneurs and people who are being, being revealing about that company culture and mindset, I think there's, there's an aspiration that happens of people who really want to work at a company, not because of the, the, uh, production output and the actual product they make, but the value and the journey they feel they get to go on when they work at that company. You know, I mean, it's mind blowing to me when people talk about, uh, I used to work at Apple and a lot of people will talk about different eras of companies that they worked at. We're like, Oh, I worked, I worked for Apple in the jobs era, or I worked for Google in this era, or I worked, you know, and I think it's really beautiful that people have so much pride in the companies that they worked at based on the culture that was happening. Cause no one will talk about, Oh, I worked at Apple when the iPhone came out. You, you talk about, you worked at Apple when the direction was under Steve jobs, when you felt, you know, and I think that's, that's a very cool, um, and an amazing mindset to be when you're running a company is, is, you know, sure you're making a company for the next hundred years, but, by all means, I mean, you're not going to live the next hundred years. So, you know, what, what does it mean to build your legacy and tenure within that company? It's very exciting. Yeah, no, it is very exciting. And, and also what I think is very exciting is that uh, I believe that uh, the Icelandic way of living, where we kind of are uh, very connected with nature and uh, we make it possible for people to, you know, be out there, whatever the weather is. So, mm. so, so, so you can go out and, and, and enjoy the, you know, the rain and the storm. And, and, and because I, I mentioned went to college in the U.S., I, 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 I went to San Diego State and I lived in San Diego for four years. Quite different. Very different than Iceland. <laughs> Iceland. But, <laughs> but, but then people ask me, how could you move back to Iceland? And I said, you misunderstand this because I first started to appreciate the weather in Iceland when I moved back from San Diego, mm. because I love the seasons. I love, I love go out uh, and run in the rain and the wind that get the fresh air in my face. And, uh, and, 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 you know, when COVID started, uh, people couldn't go, as I said earlier, to the gym and to the swimming pool and do the things they were used to do. And we, we got a lot of new customers who never exercised outside. And they said, okay, now I'm forced to do it. So oh. you need to help me. And, uh, you know, so we've been dressing up new customers who will be going out jogging, hiking, doing <laughs> things they, you know, have dreamt about, but they never kind of uh, found themselves, uh, you know, doing. And, uh, and I guess, uh, you know, if you talk about the positive thing about COVID is that uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, some of us have uh, paused and, uh, and, and, and asked, uh, you know, what, what can we do differently now? And we as a company have also done that. I mean, we are launching a new website in a, you know, a couple of weeks time. And, uh, you know, we, we've been kind of, a, because you're forced when you uh, are in a situation like this and say, okay, we are in dire straits now. And, uh, what can we, what should we be focusing on to, to, to make sure that we get through this? 
And then you turn towards products that uh, you think are of the essence and whether it's, uh, you know, getting the sustainability message out there and uh, investing in the, you know, proper things. That's, uh, that's what you, you know, do. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Cause I feel a lot of, you know, companies, especially a company that makes um, not activewear, I feel like that's kind of a pejorative term, but uh, you know, clothing for the outdoors. Um, there is an, basically a big you know boom in their business because people are being sent outdoors to work or, or, or excuse me to exercise to 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 find a way yeah i mean i used to go to a gym you know and now i try to run outside now i'm biking i'm like what the hell am i doing why am i on a bike but i mean in a weird way the the freedom and the excitement that i felt by just doing it I don't know. I, I like started listening to Phil Collins again and I'm like listening to <laughs> Phil Collins and I'm on a bicycle and I feel like that, you know, I'm just this new form of freedom. I don't know what the hell's going on with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to Iceland. I mean, that's what we do every day. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I go on a bike and I listen to Phil Collins as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's amazing. So, I mean, is are you seeing your your business grow from a lot of these new customers? Or are they are they people? Are they more like returning customers? Well, you know, both uh, mm. definitely grow, and uh, we uh, you know we do market research in Iceland, of course, because it's our you know home market and core market, and uh, we will always think about Iceland as uh, something that we will treasure very much. And uh, we've been gaining market share uh, during COVID and mm. uh, all all through this year, and. Uh, so, so, uh, so we can very much, uh, and, and that's what we, you know, we actually withdrew, um, uh, some of the, our regular ad dollars, uh, you know, like buy, um, uh, um, you know, the, the paid, uh, certs and so on. We withdrew mm-hmm. from that, but still our, uh, you know, like in July, uh, our, uh, e-commerce was up 72%. So, uh, you know, people are, you know, turning to us. And, uh, we are, of course, very pleased with that. And so here in Iceland, we've been, we've been gaining market share. And then, uh, you know, we are expanding, uh, in the, in the markets that we are focusing on, uh, you know, in the U.S. and, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, New York and the East Coast, uh, also the West Coast tend to be very, very strong markets for us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, uh, UK has been, uh, uh, very, a uh, good market for us. We're growing there. And, uh, and then, uh, we have a couple of stores in Copenhagen in Denmark, uh, and, uh, getting a, you know, very good, uh, uh, brand recognition and, and, uh, our sales is increasing, uh, uh, healthy in, in Scandinavia. And then, uh, we are, uh, also selling in, in, in Germany, but, uh, mm. um, Direct to consumer has been, uh, you know, uh, we, we are selling mostly, uh, uh, DTC. So that's, yeah, uh, that's interesting. I also, I mean, I'm curious about, um, your Asian expansion because there's a few kind of, uh, cool fashion folks I follow that are in Tokyo. And a lot of times, you know, I'm seeing what they're wearing and they're wearing a lot of cool outdoor stuff. And there's always, a couple 66 degree north pieces on too and that's you know because i feel like to to jump back a little bit in our conversation you know you're very much a and i mean this in a complimentary way like an insider's insider brand you know like a low-key self-discovery um 
And I feel like that's like where every brand, you look at every huge brand, they're literally spending millions and millions of dollars to try to be at that. And that's just kind of your guys' natural lane. And so it's it's been really cool to see a lot of the Japanese folks, you know, where you guys and, and, and rep you guys. Have you started to focus on more of an Asian expansion or is that... I, I can't say we have fo- I can't say we have focused on it. The little uh, we have done in Japan is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, basically is requests from stores mm. and uh, um, and and uh, so so we have uh, sold some, but uh, um, then we decided that we would wait with Asia uh, mm. and uh, we would focus more on 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 uh, the UK and the US and uh, the, the markets that I mentioned earlier. But that doesn't mean that that, that won't change in, uh, you know, in, in the future. But we, we are very much aware of uh, the interest, as you mentioned, in, in uh, Japan. And, and uh, that's, of course, uh, very positive. And uh, we've gotten people from Japan uh, traveling to Iceland uh, and, uh, you know, looking at the brand. And uh, so, so, yeah, we definitely had uh, good discussions with uh, people in Japan. Yeah, I know a lot of the Asian market, the way that they work too, is all through agents and distributors, which depending on how you're choosing to run your company, a lot of times that's very um, confusing and, and, and limiting to the growth of the company because they, you know, they basically require, I'll just be very blunt, they require like power brokers to get your brands into some of these markets in Japan. And in most countries... <laughs> In the United States, you would call it a cartel because it would be illegal. <laughs> but it's very strange how some some of the Japanese, um, you know, stores and businesses are run because they all require direct agents. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's good or bad yet. Uh, I don't know. Well, we used to work with agents in Europe, uh, yeah. but we we backed out of that system. So so we do everything ourselves. Uh, yeah, that's at the good. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. I know my agent friends are going to message me and be like, why did you say that? <laughs> but I mean, it's it's just kind of strange sometimes. Like, it, I, I think brands need to be able to own their own story and communicate their own story. If they want to have their own agents that work for them, sure. But it's just somewhat strange. I don't know. Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. Sometimes I say to people, if they don't know 66 degrees north, is that, uh, you know, the best way to get to know the brand is to come to Iceland. And, uh, and you Let's said go. before, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, uh, and you said it yourself before that, uh, even Instagram and so on, does, doesn't do fairness to Iceland because it's such a, you know, amazing country. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, I'm biased. I'm, I'm born and, and raised in Iceland. And even though I lived nine years of my life somewhere else, um, you know, I, I love being here and, uh, and 66 degrees North, uh, is so, uh, a kind of, a attached to to iceland and the icelandic uh, psyche mm. and uh, to fully understand the brand people you know should come to iceland so uh, you know whoever is out there listening and has been to iceland uh, i definitely encourage people to to come to iceland and we will of course uh, you know make sure that they uh, stay warm <laughs> <laughs> just one last quick question that i meant to ask earlier do you feel a lot of pressure um, from running a company that is not only um, a clothing company, but like what you were saying, I mean, it's a part of an Icelandic and cultural identity. I mean, that's 
that's a very that's a very big deal and and an amazing opportunity. Well, I I, I don't feel um, I can't say I feel pressure, but I'm aware of the responsibility. Mm, and and uh, and I think uh, as long as you uh, follow your uh, um, heart. And, 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 and you believe what you are doing uh, every day is the right thing, uh, both as a responsible corporate citizen and also in terms of treating a brand uh, in the way the brand deserves to be treated. Because sometimes me and Beatne, my wife, say, we don't feel like we're owners. Um, hmm. uh, we feel like we are uh, just running a race and it, it happens to be us who are now, uh, you know, holding the candle and, uh, and, and somebody else will, will take off from us. And, and we just want to make sure that, uh, you know, the company that we deliver to the future owners is in the best possible shape it can be. And uh, if we, if we can fulfill that responsibility, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm satisfied, but I never feel the, that that is a negative pressure on myself. I just feel excited about uh, having that responsibility. That's that's very beautiful, and I highly, highly encourage you to continue to share that evangelistic mindset to many of the companies in the United States who are more focused on their exit strategy versus versus the, how they're going to enrich and change the world. So thank you for that. It's, it's very inspiring. Um, well, Hellgate... This has been a this has been a great conversation. I'm really grateful for your time and and uh, your candor throughout this entire thing. Helgi, thank you so much for this. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you, and uh, thanks for having me. Really, of course, my, my pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, we'll see ya. You've been listening to Blamo. Our theme music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Don't know where they are. Don't know where they go, but they're there. We're edited by Brendan Finn, and we're produced by Blamo Media. You can follow along with us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast and leave a review for us on your favorite podcast app. I don't get reviews. I leave them when people ask. But, you know, do it for the show. Do it for the B. Want even more Blamo? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Blamo to join the Blam fam. You get access to additional interviews, a community slack, special events, and more. And best of all, you're supporting the show. Yes, there's a lot of people who work on this, and we all love you. See ya.